0: and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses so join me in the fun sign up now at chumbacasino.com no purchase necessary BDW. Void reward prohibited by law see terms and conditions
1: 18 plus hey wild country nation it's time for your saturday morning wake up call northwest wild country is on the air Welcome to America's number one fishing, hunting, and outdoors radio show. And it's all brought to you by Waypoint Marine Group and Ballard and by Garmin Electronics. Now your Wild Country crew, Dwayne England, and your host, Joel Shangle. Dwayne, in the 13-year history of this show, this will be the very first time we've opened with a phone number. Yeah. 800-829-0950. And the text number is 49451 49451- Uh, The reason for that is we're going to take a slight detour this morning. Uh, You've been opening the show with the the Wild Five for the past several weeks. Uh,
2: Yes, I have.
1: But uh, today we're going to kind of boil it all down and we're going to present uh, the big one, as in the one issue that uh, we've we've had to kind of discuss ad nauseum for the past several weeks. That, of course, is the management of uh, Puget Sound salmon and steelhead fisheries. And so... Really haven't had a chance to allow people to, as as Steve pointed out, vent their spleen. Sure. This will be the Vent Your Spleen segment. We've mm. got 22 minutes where we're going to open up the phones, uh, the Facebook page. We've already uh, had some folks on Facebook uh, contributing to the conversation. But,
2: oh, very much so, yeah. But
1: now that we have a slight clearing of the smoke in the air, <laughs> and we have a little bit of an idea of, of how these seasons are going to, to, to shape up here in Puget Sound, it's time for people to voice their opinions. And, of course, there are some very strong opinions. There, there are, They're as divergent and as uh, oppositional as you could possibly imagine. Mm-hmm. But the bottom line is that is that there are a lot of folks out there who have a lot of thoughts about the way this whole thing has happened over the past couple of months. And as we move into June and July and August, the heart of our summer salmon seasons, we have some changes ahead that are going to be difficult for a lot of folks to stomach and sure. for good, and
2: for good reason. Well, they're difficult to stomach right now. I mean, <clears throat> excuse me, I I am, uh, I don't know, I'm a little confused on the overall outcome. Mm-hmm. And I understand parts of it, but the other part of it just frustrates the heck out of me. And so we sat and we waited and we waited and we waited. And, um, you know, I, again, um, full on support for Unsworth and mm-hmm. staff and mm-hmm. for, the, for the effort they put in and the painstaking hours and the ongoing negotiations and the frustrations and all those things that we've covered. Um, But when the dust settles and it all comes out, you would hope that, okay, well, if this is what was on the table and they said no, how much of that actually changed until Mm -hmm. we finally said yes? Because I got to tell you, Shangle, the the number one biggest fear that goes around in my mind, and I've put it out there on Facebook, and I think a lot of people would concur, is we've lost a ton. Mm Mm-hmm what is the likelihood we ever get those back historically once things are gone it is I don't know like just about a, just about a zero percent chance Very that, that's concerning. what history
1: has 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 proven sure for time we've concerning. lost the fishery or we've lost segments of a fishery those those have 99 point nine percent of the time have not returned they
2: have not returned sure and so that is that is on the forefront of my mind mm-hmm. I'm going okay this this doesn't look good now we can look at it the big picture and go, okay, all right, yeah, well, we get our Puget Sound fisheries. We get, you know, six weeks here, eight weeks there. We get to target these fish in this area um, relative to salt. We get to carry on throughout the summer and into early fall with our derbies, which is good. We're talking when it comes down to, you know, dollars and cents. uh, There's a lot of money at stake here, and I get that. But uh, I had an interesting conversation with Gabe Miller about a week, week and a half ago. And when we want to talk about the, the, the small contributor, the bank fishermen, mm-hmm. and um, you know, we look at the Puget Sound region, and we and we look at the salt water, and and all the big money that's involved. Sure. And sure, I get sure. that, okay. Mm-hmm. But and I think I mentioned it last week when we start excluding the opportunity to go fish rivers on the bank, and I'm not putting the you know I'm not putting the blame on WDFW. I mean, the tribes have come to the table with some just outlandish ex- expectations, mm-hmm. and for some reason, we're finding ourselves in agreement with these, and I yet have yeah. yet to undercover yeah. why yet. The, the the point here is once you take those away and those guys aren't able to hit the bank, you know, and I think Gabe hit it best, um, there is a huge concern because yeah, those guys are on the bank fishing right now. But as you look at the industry as a whole, those are the future boat owners. Those are the future persons that, you know, step up in, in life and and at some point they're the ones out there on that water. So and when we start taking a generation away from the opportunity. Um, and can't even walk to the river's edge and cast a line. You know, it's very concerning.
1: What you'll see from the Department of Fish and Wildlife is uh, that they, they, of course, are going to to uh, overplay as much as they can the positivity of sure. the regulations. So, so you look at Marine Area Seven, the San Juan Islands. It looks like mm-hmm. there's, you know, there's good opportunity in the saltwater out there. And you take a look at just sort of, sort of the what we've seen so far. Just kind of the kind of a, a broad brush picture is that is that most of the opportunities that we that we I believe will hear championed are our salt water, so we and we talked about this right. a couple, three, four, you know, several weeks ago. Is that you know what we have, we have an entire population of anglers who are beginning to feel more, and these are river anglers are beginning to feel more and more disenfranchised. Yeah, like like their opportunities have have just spiraled yep. downward, yep. and it and it continues. You take a look at what we've seen so far as as what we will we will likely have as regulations, mm-hmm. and. There are limitations, restrictions, flat out closures of, of traditionally um important fisheries to people as far as the general participation of people in the Seattle, Olympia, Tacoma, Everett, metropolitan area. Yeah. So now the question lies in where do they go? Do do they get where do they go? Yeah. Where do we go? Where exactly do we go? If I live in if I live in in Auburn, if I live in, in mm-hmm. uh Renton, where do where do I now Choose to spend my time if I want to walk a riverbank.
2: Well, you're going to head south. You're going to head southwest. Yep. You're going to mm-hmm. head to the coast. The yep. um, the amount of folks that uh, hit those uh, Gray's Harbor, you know, coastal streams and whatnot is going to be tenfold. Um, y- the biggest frustration of this whole thing is that we're closing river access to to, to anglers, and yet the tribes fully on con- are willing to conduct their gillnet fisheries. Indeed, and mm-hmm. uh, there's an interesting report that was put out by CCA that shows the, um, the proposed 2016 tribal Chinook impacts relative to the Puyallup, their, their intention was to take 80%. Now, now, how do we speak of conservation? Mm-hmm. And the bold decision equates to 50-50, and now the, the recreational angler isn't even allowed to step on the riverbank, and yet the tribe's proposal is to take 80% of that fishery. makes absolutely no sense to me, Shangle.
1: I, uh, I had a Facebook conversation with our uh, first caller, Paul from Olympia, about uh, two weeks ago. And Paul, I believe your quote was, "You know, I'm I'm trying to sort through this bleep, but I'm having a hard time sorting <laughs> yeah. through it all." So let's uh, let's follow up that conversation. First of all, good good morning, my friend. It's, hey, good, good to morning. Welcome back. What uh, What are you thinking? What are your well, thoughts
3: on this? Here's what this I'm whole thinking. Thing? I'm thinking it's a, a too little, too late. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, guess what? We're in the middle of May or end of May, and I I haven't bought a license this year. Yeah. You know, I'm I'm like, well, hmm, why? Because the the areas that I like to target are closed. So, you know, I might as well just wait for a while and I get an opportunity. Maybe I'll just do a three-day license and just consider my my fishing experience for the year a three-day event. Um, The other thing I'm doing is I'm looking at other hobbies. So, you know, I'm a jeeper and love 4 x four. so maybe I need to pick that uh, addiction back up and just kind of, let this other stuff uh filter out. But So
1: so as I so as I watched this across the country in Louisiana, Florida and so forth where where I've been traveling, this was exactly the fear that mm-hmm. I had. this was this was my most prevalent fear All was, is not alone. was that yeah. the discouragement uh of the of the participation by right. by people who are who are interested in the sport but they're not interested in it enough to, to pay the money to buy the well, license. Yeah, I kinda figured why I bother
3: um you know, I think I think it's pretty insightful that there's there's in, you know in in fighting with the uh, Northwest Indian Fisheries Commission. Mm-hmm. That's pretty obvious. You've got some some tribes there that are obviously uh, pulling those guys around and throwing their weight pretty heavily. That are influencing the outcomes of that decision of that body. Yeah. Um, you know, the other thing too is we still have to have federal approval, and right. that can take. You know how the feds work. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, no telling how long that will take. Right. Um, the other thing, you know, you talked about the Bolt decision and the 80%. I think the only way this thing is going to probably end up getting resolved if it, if it goes back to federal court. And if it does do that, then guess what? It's going to be months upon months upon months before you get any sort of resolution. Mm. So it's just – it's a mess, and it's unfortunate. And and the the decision that they came out with fell so far short of addressing – the overall concerns of the state of our of our uh, angling situation in this state. I was just I was just really disappointed to see yeah. uh, see the outcome.
2: Yeah, I'm I'm right there with you, Paul, and I think a lot of folks would uh, carry that flag. Big disappointment. Uh, yeah, we have opportunity, and yeah, we can say okay, we do get to fish on these areas at this time, and we do have you know some ocean opportunity. albeit be a pretty small window. And yeah. The quotas are small, and I get mm-hmm. it. I mean, we're up against it with a conservation year. Well. If it's truly conservation, it needs to be both sides. Agreed. I'm tired of us taking it in the shorts, and yet the nets are going to go in. I guarantee they're just going to take you know as much as they can uh, to their threshold of what they feel confident that they're meeting escapement needs, and that's that's still all up in the air too. There's no. There's You're no absolutely the
3: right, Drain. You know what's going to end up happening is it's going to end up compressing those areas that are oh, available for fishing opportunities, like yep. you had said. It's <laughs> going to be a mess. Yep. Absolutely. <laughs> yep. Thanks so, for your uh, welcome back, for Joel, your and Guys, that. look forward to a great show today.
2: Thanks, Paul.
1: All right, so we have uh, Scott in Tacoma. Also has an opinion, Scott. Scott, what are you thinking this morning?
3: Well, a lot
4: of what I good morning, guys. Hey, good morning, <laughs> good morning. All, <laughs> um, A lot of what I've been thinking has kind of already been said, um, but I think um, one thing that I wish I could, I would love to see from the tribes is just you know some good cooperation. Sure. As far as working together, because I think we could accomplish a lot more. Working together, pulling the same direction, because um, I've heard this from other people where we actually have more in common than we do opposing. I mean, you know we all want more fish, right, and we want better running hatcheries, um, you know I, I I wish I would love to see them fish selectively. I think that's way overdue, yep, and um, got we could just get so much more done if we would pull together, then oppose each other. And I, I'm just, I'm really getting the feeling that they just want us off the water Mm -hmm. and it's just a, it's hard to have a good attitude
0: that's chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.
1: ...way. And, it, it, you know, it's
4: kind of, um, you know, an oxymoron in that way. And, you know, I totally agree with what you guys are talking about as far as, yeah, the areas that will be open are compressed. But one thing I can't understand is, what, in Area 11, why is November, December closed when they're saying, okay, well, that's to um, stay away from Hatchery Chinook.
2: Yeah, you made, a, you made a point on our Facebook page on that, Scott, and right, I appreciate right. that. Because uh, if you read through Absolutely. the reg, Shangle, it tells you that we have a September-October closure mm-hmm. in Area 11. Yep, And then it also says that there's a closure for blackmouth fishing from November through January. And Scott's point is valid because the coho are up in river by that point. I mean, we're not targeting and, and interfering with coho mm-hmm. out in Area 11 in... November through January. That's predominantly a hatchery, blackmouth fishery, and yet we don't even get opportunity on that. So, you know, the biggest frustration here is, I mean, yeah, we get to fish area 9, yeah, we get to fish area 10, but 1113 is basically off limits um, because when you when you break this down as a whole and the tribes look at it and say, well, Recreational Fleet gets their opportunity out in Puget Sound and we only are allowed to fish terminal fisheries in river. Well, you guess we're not even having an opportunity in Puget Sound to target area 11 and 13 fish. Mm-hmm. We're very minimally impacting Puyallup River Basin fish. Yeah. You and know so, what I mean? Yeah, and yet they're yeah. going to be in river targeting that uh, extremely, extremely heavy.
1: And look what so look what happens there. So basically from, from the month of September through God knows when, if you live south of Seattle. Correct. Because, because most people are not going to trailer their boats up to up to you know up north if you live in Olympia mm-hmm. area 13 if you live in Tacoma area 11 you're likely not going to trailer your boat north to go fish you're just you're just not going to do it more more than likely you're going to try to you want to fish your local fishery sure so what happens is that you have this gigantic gap mm-hmm. of of months before you can fish your local water and that yeah. and that when 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 the rubber hits the road yep. it's all about people being able to fish the areas that they're familiar with and mm-hmm. that they that they have some experience on I mean that's yep. that's just the way it goes people yep. yeah we travel to fish because that's just what we do but it's not everyone do. does it 9 out of no. 10 people will not spend the time and the money and the mileage to go travel and to fish and so you have you have this this gigantic gap in opportunity for mm-hmm. a gigantic metropolitan population of fishermen yep. and they become as paul expressed they become more and more disenfranchised yep. l- discouraged and just pretty much disgusted with the lack of opportunity and, there is, and we lose more people.
2: There is a high percentage, much like Paul, who are waiting to see and hear the final outcome of this thing before they yep. purchase their license. And now, much like Paul said, guess what? I'm not even going to buy it. And If I do decide to go fishing at some point, maybe I'll pick one up. But And I don't blame him. And so you're talking about south-southwest Washington, mm-hmm. Skokomish. Yeah. Now- I'm no attorney, obviously, but I look at this whole proposal that hits the table, and I'm thinking Hunter <laughs> Farms has owned that side of right. the Skokomish River for since the early 1900s. Mm-hmm. Okay, they've been established there. They homesteaded. I mean, there's sure. multiple location of Hunter's Farms, but that is one that folks are very familiar with who fish that river. And, uh, you know, for years they've purchased your $20 pass, and you go there and fish with several hundred, if not thousands, throughout the seasons of your buddies and have access to that side of the river. The tribes, the Skokomish tribe, has complete isolated access to the other side of the river, and it's always been kind of a point of contention. But now for them to come to the table and say, hey, we believe that the entire lower river is is reservation or tribal land. Wouldn't you think, Joel, at some point the state goes, the onus is on you Mm -hmm. to prove that, and you're going to have to prove that in court. Until you prove that, because the feds and the state pay for all the fish that are planted in that river. And there's also a project going on with water and uh, habitat restoration, $20 million, mm-hmm. that is fully funded by federal and state dollars. Not a, not a single penny comes from the Skokomish tribe, but yet they have the power to go to the table and say, look, we're, we want the river closed until we can uh, sort this out. I would think the state, again, would say, you need to prove that to us. Until then, because we've planted the fish, we are allowing recreational access. But it doesn't work that way, and that just baffles my mind. I got to tell you, listen to uh,
1: listen to the things that we're discussing right yeah. now. Yeah, we're, we're we're talking we're talking not about about conserving and managing a, a a a living creature. We're talking about operating in a courtroom. Yeah, exactly. This this yeah. is what this process has. Mm-hmm. It, it's deteriorated so far. It's so this is what our process yeah. is now. We mm-hmm. we don't necessarily think about these fish for what they are they're Mm -hmm. they're fish they're a resource we now have to automatically from zero to 60 go from zero to courtroom that's that's where our process is now you want to talk about fractured broken Mm -hmm. uh, oppositional i mean we we've 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 gone so far away from 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 true north on this whole thing yeah that that it's disgusting yeah it it
2: pisses me off you're right we are discussing uh opportunity Mm -hmm. and access yeah. That's what our recreational fisheries have come mm-hmm. down to, is opportunity and access. There is, uh, in, in, in what I understand, there's no shortage of Chinook coming back to the Skokomish. Mm-hmm. There's not a conservation mm-hmm. issue no. with the Skokomish. No. And yet they have the audacity and the ability to come to the table and tell the state, pack sand, we're going to close it down because we think it's tribal. That's crap. That one really yeah. ticks I don't even fish the Skokomish.
1: No, but I'm speaking
2: I. on behalf of the recreational bank fishermen mm-hmm. who is denied access because they think it's tribal. Yeah, that is just becoming bizarre in my in my world. I cannot wait to get somebody on who can explain this to us. Yeah, um, yeah. and you know, again, the ink is still wet on this entire thing. It's only 48 hours old of where the decision came down, so. Yeah, we're not, you know, raising the pom-poms and going, hey, look at all the great stuff we get to go fish. I get it. We still have a lot of opportunity. Sure we do. And we will talk about a lot of our Mm -hmm. opportunity. But Mm -hmm. doggone it, every single year in the recreational community is not, you know, silent about this. Well, they keep taking away more and more. Well, boy, this year they sure did. And uh, it it's not it's not uh, it's, it's not looking good. it's depressing.
1: It, it is really it is depressing. Is. It's frustrating. Like I said, I mean, I'm, I'm I'm viewing these things as they happen, and I'm and I'm physically removed from it as as I'm out on the Bass Nomad Trail, but I'm watching it, and I and I'm and I'm experiencing something completely different mm-hmm. on on in other parts of the country. We are unique up here in this upper left hand corner of of the world, I and mean, we're unique because of the fish that swim here and because of the people who sure. live here. Mm-hmm. But but what I what I see here, and what I what I come back to, it it is so depressing. I can't even tell you how, how right. hard it is to come back and, and and understand that that the place where I live and, and and you know the things that I love so much are are dictated by politics, yeah. not not by what's right or what's mm-hmm. smart or mm-hmm. what's fair, nope. but by who can maneuver the best politically, who can operate and 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 manipulate words and, and I guess, the law better. Yeah. And it's the
2: dumbest thing in the world. It makes me crazy. Well, and ultimately, who holds the power? You know, so, and it's gotten to the point I now, mean, if people have not woke up and paid attention, you better start looking at your state representatives and your senators and say, who's in support of our recreational opportunity to make sure we're out there on the water fishing? You know, and if they have no idea of any of this going on, you better think hard before you go to the polls and vote these people back in office, because... If it, if we don't start getting support from our state, and we don't start getting some federal uh, person stepping in, this is going to continue to get worse.
1: All right, so we've got about two and a half, maybe three minutes here. Dennis yep. from Olympia has a, a quick opinion. Dennis, what what are your thoughts this morning?
5: Well, I've come to find that they do not respect the resource whatsoever. Um, they have systematically killed off rivers in different areas just because it's all for us and none for you. Mm-hmm. If we put in the fish. To the system and they take them out what's left for us
2: right yeah agreed wholeheartedly <clears throat> a lot of folks don't know it shangle but a high percentage if not a majority of our of our tribal ran hatcheries are funded by state and federal dollars mm-hmm. okay yeah. they supply the personnel great they supply the manpower great and they run some great hatchery programs okay i give them that but where does the money come from you know is what you got to look into and why are those fish put in the water in the first place And if they're able to shut down our access and our opportunity, then why is the state footing the bill to allow them to simply gill net the fish out of the river?
1: All right, so we have a lot of business to get to here uh, this morning, but this 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 subject, of course, will remain on the table for the next hour and about uh, 40 minutes or so. We'll have another open segment at the end of the show mm-hmm. to sort of wrap up. Of course, the, the text tool has, has has gone a little bit crazy. We're going to go ahead and try to catch up. Of course, we've, we have some things to attend to as far as we actually the, have a show, the Facebook page right? as well, and we do indeed yeah. have a show. We, we will spend some time talking about opportunities that you can have. Not surprisingly, a lot of those are – east of the mountains Mm -hmm. or south of the columbia river because because frankly here here as we live i mean there are obviously things you can do and places you can go right but on this memorial day weekend and the the week following uh you know i mean a lot of the opportunity that we're talking about is going to be is going to be so we'll talk to jared gibbons of okanagan valley guide service we have uh, we have an opening on the icicle river Mm. and as jared pointed out i can tell you that is going to be a gong show oh man because well if you live on this side of the hills that's not that far of a drive, and, and really, what's what's your other opportunity?
2: They're already seeing it. We yep. talked to a handful of our mm-hmm. friends over there that guide and uh, yep. you know recreate over there, and yep. uh, talk about any, any fishery that we've been covering for the last several years. Shangle. Yep. the West Siders yep. are showing up because we want to fish.
1: They are indeed. Uh, Mike Floyd will join us to talk a little bit about uh, West Side Muskie. We'll talk to Jack Mitchell of the Evening Hatch about uh, the fly options on the Yakima River, uh, Kokanee Nation. We'll do a little bit of a wrap up of the Lake Stevens Derby. And we'll talk to uh, Brandon Polinick in uh, eastern Idaho about the opportunities over there. Let's take a break. When we come back, join the discussion, 800-829-0950, right here on Sports Radio 950 KJR and Comcast Sports the Northwest.
3: Northwest Wild Country on Seattle's Sports Radio 950 KJR.
1: All right, everybody, take a deep breath. Your oh year. man! All right, so uh, the uh, the the text tool as. By the way, I'm Joel Shangle. He's Dwayne England. You're <laughs> about to introduce th- us. By the way, welcome back. Oh, yeah. We'll 50... Northwest, we are Northwest Wild Country. We are too. Glad to be here. Got, uh...
0: Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? they are also playing chumba casino coincidence i think not everybody's loving having fun with it chumba casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime anywhere even at thirty thousand feet so sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus that's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life no purchase necessary btw room void were prohibited by law see terms and conditions 18 plus
1: activity in the other two rooms steve and blake hard at work hustling away the phones will be open, 800-829-0950, and if you're here local in Seattle, 206-286-9595. And, of course, the the text tool is always open, 49451. We've one. Uh, we've we've kind of occupied Steve with the, um, with the phones. No luck on Gibbons yet? All right, let's go ahead and jump into the text tool real quick, Steve. I know we've, we've had a handful of, more than a handful, we've had a whole bunch of texts here.
0: Yeah, we have one that's uh, just, first of all, welcome you back home. Uh, says, glad I live in South Vancouver, uh, sure wish the tribes curtailed. We deal with the same uh, down here in the gorge. And then uh, also, it's uh, our generations get cut off, uh, they get the rug, uh, their generation of Wait, they get come on, rod- Steve. <laughs> It's tough, man. Yeah, it's, it's tough. It's, uh, basically, they're they're the generation. Their coattails from their relatives. Here's a here's I a am. good
1: one from uh, here's a good one from from uh, Rock Tommy. Um, kind of, uh, and this is kind of broken up here. So mm-hmm. I haven't I haven't I haven't purchased my saltwater license yet, and I plan I plan on not doing so. Huh. Uh, this is a refrain that we're going to hear, I think, repeatedly. I think so. I'm not going to purchase it. Not going to yep. buy. it. Not going to yep. spend the money. Uh, I think I'll spend my salmon season in the high country looking for a bear and a bull. I mean, that's uh, at least he's, he's shifted his attention to something in the out doors. But I think ultimately what's going to happen, Dwayne, is that, is that um, we're going to lose more and more mm-hmm. stewards of the resource. Yep. Because that's ultimately, when it comes down to it, the people who are, who are on the riverbank and who are in the hills and the creek side, they're mm-hmm. the folks who care mm-hmm. the most about that particular resource, and they're the ones who help to preserve and protect it. And that is, is
2: slowly being taken away. Well, and like I mentioned before, I mean I know there was a large contingent of folks who were simply sitting back waiting, idle, to hear the final decision. And uh yeah, okay, we can we can jump around from area to area and look at what we do get to do, albeit some of the windows are narrow. Even our ocean fishery shangle for those that are like, Well, I'm not gonna buy a salt light, like, well, maybe I will because I, I get to go fish Chinook, you know, in Alwaco or up at uh up at uh, you know, Westport or just you know, give me some ocean opportunity. But if you look at the regs on that in regards to quota and the fact they open not till, not until July 1st and will close somewhere mid-August if they make it that far. Mm-hmm. Which they won't. Which they won't based mm-hmm. on the low quota numbers. I mean, you're, you're talking maybe a month in the ocean fisheries mm-hmm. as well. I get it. I get the frustration why people are like, no, I'm not buying a saltwater light. Yep. I, I would encourage you to do so. But then again, where is our money truly going? It, it, it's just a vicious circle, right? now.
1: So, uh, one of the options that uh, that we have explored over the past two to three years has been over on the uh, the east side of the Cascades, specifically, sort of, a, kind of the north central part of the state, where uh, Jared Gibbons of uh, mm-hmm. Okanagan Valley Guide Service operates. And and Jared, one thing that I that I noticed on Facebook last night that I I kind of giggled at it a little bit, but I know that you're you're probably just just tired of it already. But there was a conga line of cars headed over. The Cascades going to the east side. I mean, I'm talking about a constant flow of people leaving the west side and yeah. driving to the east side, and I'm going to wager that a fair number of those found their way to the Icicle River. Is that is that safe to say?
6: Oh yeah, it's 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 crazy. You know, uh, uh, this is one weekend I actually take off the icicle just because. Uh, We'll get thirty boats on the icicle, and and it's uh, it's actually not enjoyable when there's that many people. Uh, so <laughs> that's just one weekend I just stay off the icicle and uh, go go anywhere else. You
1: know, it's funny. So as we've as you know, we've pointed out with discussions previously, the icicle is a is a very limited fishery. There are, there are very archers, small. Point out, there's a handful of yeah. ten mm-hmm. to thirteen holes. So you, yeah,
2: you. you Thirty to 36, thirty, 30 yeah. six
1: boats in that particular stretch, mm-hmm. and, and you want to talk about a uh, you want to talk about a gong show? Oh well, it's
2: like the Winnebuc and Winter Run Steelhead in December, January. Yeah, yeah and yeah. you just hit it on the head there, Shangle. It's a it's a short you know few miles and twelve or thirteen good holes where fish are going to hold, mm-hmm. and other than that, you're anchoring up in between those spots, waiting for the guy to push down, and then maybe you get your shot. So yeah, I don't I don't uh, blame you, Jared. I mean Memorial Day weekend, you know, for everything that it's all about and the and the enjoyment of the outdoors, but that particular stretch of river, I would also keep my drift boat off as well. Exactly.
1: Yeah. Well, let's let's look at some other opportunities then, of course. I mean, uh, the thing about your, your operation, Jared, is that you're not limited to just one. You have, you, have, you know, three, four, five, six, you know, have a half dozen places you could go, and, and you do choose to do that. I know you're going to spend a fair amount of time on the river that we just talked about, but, but what are some of the other options that, that, that folks can explore with you if they head uh, to your neck of the woods?
6: Oh, heck, I mean, uh, they're really starting to boom the tokening in this area. So we have uh, Palmer Lake up north out of Tenasket. If you want to get away from the people, that's a great option to do. And then we have uh, Concanale out of Omak. Yeah. Uh, that has both the trout and the kokanee in it, and then some smallmouth and largemouth bass in there. So that's really, uh, really good. Uh, also, there's uh, a little lake out of Okanagan called uh, uh, Leader Lake. It's good for your spiny ray fisheries or anybody who's into some really nice bluegill, maybe some perch fishing in there to get the, uh,
2: some good fillets
6: off of that. Um, we just have endless options up in this area. I mean, whatever species you want, you can come and get.
2: Hey, on Conconnelly, is it a combined uh, limit of trout and kokanee, or is it uh, no. separate, or what?
6: It, it, it's it's five fish, and okay. so it's uh, a combination of. Yeah, okay. Yeah,
2: so, so Jared, one
1: of that, the fishery that you mentioned that I think that most people are going to be most attentive to is is Lake Chelan. Just kind of give us the, the kind of the latest on that over the last week or so because, I mean, obviously that has become a high priority for more western anglers over the past handful of years just because, number one, it's become, it's become you know a super productive, well-known fishery. But kind of, kind of run us through what we've experienced over the last handful of days and what we might expect over the next week to two weeks.
6: Man, it's uh, nonstop fishing. I mean, action. I mean, they're getting out there in the lower basin right now. There's tons of fish, lots of action. Uh, you're going to get your kokanee right off the get-go. Uh, when that slows down, throw on, uh, throw on your uh, Maglips, uh, little small ones, 2.5s, and troll for uh, the, the cut coat. There's tons of fish, tons of action. Get in tight the shores. Get into. You know, 15, 20 foot of water, put them out there about 90 feet back. And troll, you know, probably at a one two mile an hour. Mm-hmm. And uh, just a nice ultralight gear and tons of action, tons of fun uh, to do whatever. And then if you really want to, after that, you can drop them down, get out there in the deeper water, drag the bottom and get some night trout. So uh, there's there's a ton of action there as well. So lots of fish. I mean, people are coming in with, you know, 20, 30 coconut. If you're really on top of your game, you only get four people you It, it's, it's a lot of action, lots of fun.
2: Definitely have a lot of opportunity there. Uh, and, you know, it continues to fish, and uh, it started fishing off early, and, uh, you know, it continues, and that's good. And obviously, that cutthroat fishery has really come around uh, as the state quit planting. Did they? I was informed that they quit actually planting rainbow, and they've gone back to cutthroat as it's a uh, native species of, of Chelan. Quick. Okay. Yep. All right, so that cutthroat fishery has become pretty popular this season as well because there's definitely a lot of them. They seem pretty easy to catch.
1: Yep, for sure. So tell me a little bit about Palmer, Jared. That's that's one that uh, the the people have we we've you know kind of whispered about a little bit here and there. It's always been sort of a ah, don't talk too much about Palmer because it's you know just because of of you know kind of the the I guess the delicate nature of that fishery. What's what's the latest on that this year?
6: Uh, you know, it's it's decent size, uh, decent size fish this year. You know, twelve to fourteen inch fish. Um, with a couple couple bigger ones. Uh, just recently, the the gills up there, they're, they're starting to get a little fungus on the gills up there this year. So that's the unfortunate thing on Palmer oh. this year. Uh, the game department says that uh, uh, that it's just fine. Don't worry about it. That it's uh, that they're just fine. You can eat them, uh, no problem. But of course, when people see that on the gills and whatnot, they they aren't going to want to sure. go after them. Uh, but you know, uh, I, I think they're taking they're losing a few fish up there. Not all the all the coconut up there have it. Just a few of them, but uh, that's that's what's going on on Palmer with the kokanee. Uh The bass, the bass fishing up there is uh, always really good. Um, nice smallmouth, nice largemouth. Water's starting to recede a little bit, so uh, getting getting largemouth out of the trees, and they're starting to come out out into the deeper water now.
2: I want to I wanna fast forward and kind of look down the road here as we have some things that will start, start happening for you and others that make the drive on over to Brewster. Um, it's not too early to start talking about getting your bait and stuff ready to go. Uh, we have a pretty reasonable sockeye return forecast, plus you guys will have your summer Chinook fishery up there. I'll, quickly, before we got to kick you loose here, talk to me about this uh, Leo Flasher that you started getting out last year. And what the advantages to running that little gizmo is, it looks like you got a couple different uh, attachment points that either put it into a tight spin if you're in line, or a big looping type roll flasher like some of our 11-inch, you know, Pro troll and some other flashers over here that we're uh, we're accustomed to using in the saltwater.
6: Exactly. I mean, you hit it on the head there. It's two different uh, actions: one, a hole in the in the very nose to give your in line. Just off center of there's that, that other hole to get your your looping action now with the looping action is the one we primarily use to get more action it actually has a roll inside of the roll so it kind of has a kicking action. Mm. Uh, it was brought to me last year uh, by Leo uh, to try out and, and compare and uh, you know I put them against my best pro trolls and I love pro trolls we've used pro trolls for years and, and caught a ton of fish but you know I just the first day I caught three to one to it next day four to one and next day four to one and I was like, okay there has to be something to this. I switched them up, put them all on all my rods, and, and, man, all my rods went off equally, had a great day, limited the boat, and, and from there, I was sold. Uh, so, uh, you know, it's just something different, uh, just a different kick to it. You know, lots of great colors now this year. Of course, last year, we were prototyping them, using a lot of the, the silvers and uh, a couple of the greens, but now, heck, we have 12 different colors in, uh, two different sizes right now. We're going to be coming out with another size, one in between our small and our large. Mm-hmm. And, uh, man, it's, it's great. And I'm actually really excited about the medium one that comes out because it's going to be really multitask for, you know, for the sockeye and the chinook, you know, it's kind of an in-betweener. So it should work really good. And uh, really exciting, you know, we have them available now, and uh, sales on the Internet are going really
1: good for us. Go to www.moneymakerfishing.com for information on that, the Leo Flasher. Uh, Jared, thank you very much for the check-in. I know you've got a couple of quick openings for uh, for the Icicle River deal. What, what are your dates there?
6: Uh, it's from. Let's see. I have one open on Sunday, the twelfth of June, and then after the fifteenth, I have a few more days open, and we're gonna call it a season after that to get ready for summer smoke fisher.
1: Give him a call at five zero nine four two nine one seven one four triple w dot Okanagan Valley Service dot com. Jared, thanks, buddy. Catch you later. Thanks, guys. Hey, we'll Bye. see you
2: Lots right. of opportunity over there, Shane. We didn't even talk about walleye fishing.
1: Nope, did not. Did not. We'll get into that uh, possibly next week. You know, but while we have that particular thought in mind, spiny rays with big teeth, we're going to come back over on this <laughs> side of the hills, and we're going to yeah. head down to Lake Taps. We'll talk to uh, the muskie man, Mike Floyd. We have water in Lake Taps this year, and that has yes, translated we into good local fishing yeah. for the muskie guy. This, If you want to know anything at all about muskie in Washington, this is the only this guy, is this the the guy. guy to talk to. Mike Floyd joins us right here on Sports Radio 950 KJR and Comcast Sportsnet Northwest.
3: Northwest Wild Country on Seattle's Sports Radio 950 KJR.
1: Memorial Day weekend here in the uh, Seattle area. Happy holiday, everybody. Raining. Indeed, a little bit of rain. What, a,
2: what a always shock. does. What a right? shock. That's why you just don't go camping <laughs> anymore on Memorial Day weekend. No, You're just going to no. get wet and be miserable. Yell no. kids all weekend. It's I'm kind of
1: curious what uh, what our next guest expects as far as the the traffic on his local muskie fishery mm-hmm. uh, because uh, because Lake Taps has been has been pretty productive for Mike Floyd, or at least that that's what I what I gather from kind of following along on his Facebook page. Sure. It looks like Mike's had a a good season on his local lake. Mike, is it Mike? Is that safe to say that you you've I mean, Lake Taps has been pretty good to you so far this year.
5: Yeah, it's been real good, and it was real good last year too, even after a little water.
1: Okay, well, I'm glad to hear that. So, so let's talk a little bit about that. Now we have obviously a holiday weekend, which I mean, it doesn't matter kind of what the weather is; it's always going to be busy. But let's kind of walk our way through the next month or so because, because um I think kind of the the, the general broad public believes that uh, the musky fishing improves. As the water warms as we get into June, even to July and August. So kinda of, kinda of walk us through the schedule of that fishery for the next couple of three months.
5: Yeah, the the definitely the best fishing is always during the summer. Mm-hmm. Once you get the water up to seventy degrees, then the, the fish are super aggressive. Uh weeds are coming up. It's gonna be good all through the it's usually good all the way through the end of September.
2: So as far as water temperature right now and uh reactivity as far mm-hmm. as, you know, are they real aggressive you got to work on them quite a bit to get them to get them to pop um how does that how does that differ from in summer when the water gets warmer and they get much more aggressive and and maybe uh let's talk about you know what you're actually throwing at them in size perspective now compared to warmer water yeah it's
5: uh yeah which is actually because of weather uh, You can go hunt for them now. They're fairly aggressive, um, but once the water gets up 70, 72, it's just a matter of hitting spots and throwing fast-moving lures, uh, looking for that reaction bite. I usually cover a lot of water on taps. Uh, You never know exactly where they're going to be, so I'm usually throwing um, a bucktail-type spinner, which is a bigger spinner with a dressed... Treble hook or some type of a swim bait. Um, Usually around five and a half to seven and a half inches, somewhere in that range. Uh, Always good on that. that So,
1: Mike, uh, your phone's breaking up a little bit, so we're going to try to get that sorted out. But but if you go do a random search for musky lures on Google, Mm -hmm. you'll see stuff that I think is a little bit oversized for our fisheries. This is one thing that we talked with, with Mike sure. several times before mm-hmm. is that if you, just, if you just randomly go search for musky stuff on the web, it doesn't necessarily perfectly fit the fisheries here in western Washington. So kind of run us through as far as, as, far as if somebody wants to get into this, Mike, they're, they're, they're kind of new to the fishery, they, they think they want to give it a shot, uh, kind of run us through what we need to look for as far as, as sizes, colors, and where we can attain those. Is this something we have to go to the web to order or can we get those locally?
5: Usually, you have to go to but most of the stuff I get is off the internet mm-hmm. uh, there's not there's just not a lot of musky stuff around here. Some of the resorts on some of the local lakes, like on Mayfield um will carry some musky stuff, but uh most of the stuff I get is off the internet for color wise mostly natural because the lakes are really clear, and uh black is always a really good color to use.
1: If you're looking for the stereotypical place where a muskie may live, and that this is not just on lake taps, but this is just kind of in, in general, kind of walk us through what it is that you're, that you're looking for. If you're out there kind of, you know, trolling around and you're, and you're looking at the edges
5: and so forth, what is it that you want to see? Usually I'm looking, and you're usually fishing fairly. I usually fish fairly shallow because I'm casting all the time. So early season I'm looking for wood. Or I'm fishing points, I'm looking for rocky points, uh, wind-swept areas usually have fish on them. But once the weeds start to pop up, which are starting to now, uh, the fish usually migrate to the weeds. So I'm looking for weed beds. Hmm. I might fish over the top of them and around the edges. They're always in the weeds.
2: So with uh, everything going on relative to a lot of our fisheries, Mike, <coughs> excuse me, I, I got to adventure to guess some folks are looking for other options. And this is definitely one option of, you know, of people willing to put in the time and start to learn. Obviously, there's a learning curve anytime we take on a new type of fishery. But, you know, what's my basic setup type of uh, length of rod, rod weight that I'm looking for, you know, real with uh, what, you know, maybe don't want to go too high on a gear ratio. I, do I want to, you know, extremely high fast? our high-speed return when I'm cranking in these baits. So give me a good breakdown as far as rod, reel, type of line I need to run, and, of course, leader for these toothy critters.
5: Yeah,
2: some of the the fish are pretty big. So you're going to want a rod that's at least
5: medium-heavy. I like a minimum of probably about 8 feet in length. I usually run mono on most of my rods, Mm -hmm. Um, minimum about 20-pound test uh level wine type reel um six to one gear ratio is good uh usually when i'm burning bucktails over weed beds like seven to one gear ratio for leaders uh you can you go with steel i usually go with uh, fluorocarbon because it's abrasion resistant uh minimum uh 60 pound test uh, 80 pound test works real well um you can get away if if a guy's got like a back bouncing rod uh that works pretty good uh a heavier steelhead rod'll work okay mm-hmm. for them.
1: kind of curious um, mike no. why the uh, why the mono versus braid
5: I like mono because of the clear legs and I'll use braid if i'm uh burning a bucktail because it's a reaction bait and they don't get a chance to look at the line but if I'm fishing a swim bait it's a lot of uh, jerking and pausing, so a lot of times you'll get fish that will actually come up on the pause, and they have a lot of time to look at stuff. So I like to have the clear line in that case. Makes sense.
1: Let's uh, let's kind of continue the, the kind of the question about just sizes and so forth. When, when you're talking about uh, swim baits, and if you're talking about uh, you know glide baits and so forth, I mean, what what kind of is the range and and kind of I guess the the brands and the models we should look for?
5: Yeah, one of my favorites that I've had a lot of luck with last couple couple of years is a uh, savage gear swimmer uh, it's a six and a half inch glide bait and I'll go up to uh, some 10 inch baits like the depth uh, slide swimmer um, so somewhere in that six to ten inch range on glide baits glide baits seem to work really really well around here. I've had some really good luck on Mayfield and on taps with glide baits
1: any any opinion why?
5: It's that big sweeping side-to-side motion, I think, it really attracts fish. and It just drives them crazy. They just love them.
2: How about uh, location in reference to, you know, you've you got a weed bed you're working over or, you know, throwing along some structure along a dock or some woody debris. Uh, with the water being so clear on uh, taps especially in or, or Mayfield, how far back do you generally like to keep the boat so as not to, you know, push them out of there?
5: I usually keep a cast length so that
2: I'm going to come in and, and
5: as far as I can cast to the shoreline, that's how far the boat's going to be out mm-hmm. for me. Um, the farther, the better usually because the fish like to follow a lot. Yeah. So the longer distance you have, it gives them more of a chance to actually hit the lure without following it all the way to the boat. And then running out of – sometimes they run out of room that you can't get them to bite.
1: Mike, is there, a, is there a vast difference between what you're looking for on on Mayfield versus Taps? I mean, kind of kind of runs through the, the structure or the cover that you're looking for down there.
5: Yeah, Taps has got – Mayfield's got, like, certain areas that hold fish. Where Taps, there, there could be fish anywhere because the whole lake is just full of structure, mm-hmm. and weeds and wood and stuff. Where Mayfield's got – you know, maybe eight spots where the fish holds, so you know where you're going to go and hit fish on Mayfield. Taps a lot of times you have to actually go hunt them down. They could be anywhere from the north end to down in the south end down by Church Lake. So uh, when I hit Mayfield, I know where I'm going to fish, and, you know, it's hit this spot, hit that spot, hit that spot, that's where they are. I can go other, a lot of other spots, and there's just never any fish in them. If you it looks good.
1: If you want to see photos of, of a big fish, mm-hmm. this is the guy to follow on Facebook, Mike Floyd. Hey, Mike, thank you very much for the time checking in this morning. Good to talk to you, buddy. We'll catch
5: you soon.
2: Yeah, you too. Thanks. Thanks. All right, so we have
1: a prize pack courtesy of a Yakima Baits to give away. We're going to make this about as easy as we can. Caller number five.
2: Now oh, that's Pretty dug on easy. By gives, the way, I was
1: just slightly distracted there. Is this I song? was.
2: I, yeah. Well, it's my ringtone. Oh, it I'm is? Like, oh, I forgot oh, to you're turn look, my phone you're off. Looking for oh, your phone. Oh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Sorry about that. No.
1: Give Steve a call. 800 829 0950 206 286 9595. He's prepared to chat. Caller he's five, speaking. you
2: said? Caller number five. Yakima number, Prize Pack, Kokani. A and a hat and stickers and a whole shebang, yeah.
1: We're going to bail out. When we come back, we'll uh, we'll head back over to the east side, check in with Jack Mitchell of Evening Hatch Guide Service, and then oh. we'll uh, get an update on the Lake Stevens Kokanee Derby last week. Dwayne, you were there, mm-hmm. as was Joe Q. We'll get a little bit of yes, a chat indeed. from Joe Q on Hour 2 right here on Sports Radio 950 KJR and Comcast Sports Northwest.
0: Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring.
1: A laundry? Ooh, a book club!